Hi, I'm Marcos Castanon, and you're listening to the Friars and the Farm podcast. Welcome to Welcome to On the Road edition of Friars and the Farm podcast, episode number 170. I'm here with Roy. We are on location in Lake do, Elsinore. Do we haven't done a remote since uh, since Edge of Casabell back in a couple years back. Oh, right. Yeah. And, uh, at, at, uh, I can't remember. The, at Alesmith. At Alesmith. That was it. That yeah, was it. we even had a little uh, little fan section that day. It was really nice. Hey, so later on we'll be talking to, um, I think, Elsinore Storm, Marcos Castagnon. A really cool interview. Great guy, local boy, kind of local boy at UCS uh, Santa Barbara at a Rialto. Yeah. Okay, so real quick before we get going, I, I wanted to, like, Uribel, Uribel Angeles is who I could remember a couple episodes back. It just, it, it befuddled me. When him and, and Brandon Venezuela were here, they were both just taking off. Oh, right. And we were talking about, I couldn't remember his name, and I finally, like, God dang it. Okay. That was it. So everybody back up a couple episodes and yeah. find that spot, and that's who Donovan yeah, right. was trying to think of. <laughs> He's now with the A's organization. He was part of the Sean Manaya trade. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, so first piece of news on here, breaking news today, Jay Cronenworth has been added to the All-Star Game. That's really nice. Yeah, so congratulations to the Crone Zone. Well, and, and the cool thing about that is is it was voted by the players. Was it? So Jake, uh, sorry, um, Jazz Chisholm was injured. And right. So I guess he was the runner-up. Okay. You know, and it's great because he didn't have the greatest first month of the season, but just the past month and a half, he's really been taking off. He really has, yeah. and he's been doing everything for the for the team. You know, playing wherever they need him to play and all of that. Yeah. So let's move on to our next really kind of really breaking news, but not uh, just more monumental news than it is breaking. Right. Was the MLB has been told that they need to pay minor leaguers 185 million dollars uh, in a lawsuit settlement that was said against them. It's been going on for several years now. Right. Yeah, this was uh, Advocates for Minor Leaguers um, has been behind this. So MLB has agreed to pay $185 to settle a class action lawsuit brought by minor league players over unpaid wages, marking the resolution of a case that began nearly eight years ago pending a judge's approval. MLB also made an additional concession as part of the deal per court filings Friday. It will change minor league contracts moving forward. The uniform player contract previously forbid teams from paying minor league players outside of the regular season. That restriction will be eliminated. So we know that there are some teams that are paying guys for extended spring training. Right. um, But then this is for spring training and fall instructs. Right. Which are... You can argue that they're voluntary, but really they're mandatory exercises yeah. for for the players, uh, and they're not paid. You know, they they're provided housing and they're given a small meal stipend. All right, hey, the gates are open. <laughs> Was not expecting that. Right, right. <laughs> so. So they're, they can pay them, but minor league, I think it's really just said, we want to make sure, we're going to put the pressure on all every organization to make sure that they do. Well, up until now, they weren't allowed to. Yeah. And so now it's up to their discretion to do so, and it's going to happen. Yeah. You know, okay. you can't have a few teams that decide to do the right thing and then everybody else doesn't. I mean, we've kind of seen that. The Blue Jays decided to increase pay for all their minor leaguers. Then the next year, everybody picked it up. Right, right. Yeah, and now we're seeing with uh, extended spring training, there's still a handful of teams that aren't paying their players. I guarantee you next year, everybody's going to be paying those guys. Okay, so the settlement is a landmark victory for the minor league players and their champions. 
and their champion uh, champions and their champions. Garrett Brocious, partner at, at Corian Tillery and co-counsel for plaintiffs, said in an interview Friday evening he expects about twenty thousand players to receive checks from the settlement. This is a great deal for the players, Brocious said. It provides historic relief that changes part of the contract that has been in there for as long as anyone can remember, and it provides significant relief to thousands of ball players out there. When we brought this case, nothing like it had ever been brought before, and this is a really good victory. So counsel for the plaintiffs seeks a 30% fee plus no more than $5.5 million in reimbursement for litigation costs because, of course, the lawyer has to take their big-ass chunk. Right, right. Uh, but that would appear to leave more than $120 million for the settlement of the players. And as noted above, that's going to be split among about 20,000 players. So you do the math, you know, it... it, <clears throat> it each player is going to receive a, a decent check, right. uh, but really it's more the symbolic victory here that that something has been you know won over Major League Baseball. Now you've got uh, a congressional um, council. The, yeah, the judicial over, oversight is looking at that, and yeah. the questions that went to advocates for minor leaguers on specifically you know five or six questions that they need to come up with answers. And I saw the questions, and I'm like, oh my god, they're going to cry. Yeah, <laughs> crush it. It, it. it looks like their antitrust uh, agreement is very much in jeopardy. Which Certainly, yeah. It's, it's, it's a needed thing. So beyond the money, Brocious is hopeful that the modification to the minor league contract will have a significant impact. Minor leaguers are now not typically paid a salary during spring training. One of the key problems with the minor league employment relationship was the contract itself had prohibited players from being paid outside of the season. So that's why a lot of our interviews, and the funny thing we didn't ask this for, um, for Marcos, is having a job in the offseason. Right. Like these guys don't get paid in the offseason. They don't get paid during spring training. Sure, they get fed in the complex, breakfast and lunch, but come dinner time, that small stipend that they get we've talked about this in the past, where they pull their money together to go to Costco and buy as much cheap food as they can. Right. And it's not necessarily nutritious or or even good for you. you know? Right, right. And so you've got somebody there working their butt off every day, you know, working six days a week, and you're not going to pay them? Yeah. Oh, because it's training? Yeah. I, I, I don't buy that. Okay. So, so moving on to the next topic here. Uh, so we've got the Futures game that is coming up. Yep. Hopefully I can get this published before the Futures game actually happens. Uh, but uh, in The Athletic, there was an article about what MLB scouts think of the National League prospects in the Futures game. So obviously they discussed Robert Hassel III, center fielder from uh, who's playing in Fort Wayne right now. Uh, quote, a good hitter, a hitter with good auxiliary tools, said one scout. And evaluators do love Hassel's abilities at the plate. Drafted eighth overall out of a Tennessee high school in 2020, Hassel still has some physical maturing to do, but he's a projectable six foot two who could grow into 50 grade power as he adds strength. So 50 grade means major league average, yeah. which which is 15 to 20 home runs these days. Um, what's already there is a field to hit and a pretty swing is a pretty swing. One scout called him a faster version of Michael Saunders, a hitter with long levers who controls the zone. Another saw some traits that reminded him of a Hall of Famer. He moves like Larry Walker did, the scout said. Uh, nothing ever looked hard for him. Hassel isn't the burner that Pete Crow Armstrong or Carroll are, uh, but most think he'll stick in center field where he can hit for average and produce 15 to 20 homers a year in the big leagues. Dude, how old was that scout that said that? He looks like Larry Walker. <laughs> okay, if we're going to go there, did you see David J. 
David yeah. Jay tweeted out, anybody who compares James Wood to Aaron Judge <laughs> has neither has never seen James Wood, Aaron or Judge, Judge, or Dave Parker play. <laughs> and I saw some people get their feathers ruffled, like, how does this guy expect anybody to remember what Dave Parker looked like? Right, like right. He's not asking you to remember what Dave Parker looked like. He's saying, don't compare him to Aaron yeah, Judge. No. Because if you're going to comp- if there's anybody that David Jay can remember that has the similar skill set, it was Dave Parker, yeah. which is a ridiculous yeah. comp to pull. And what I didn't realize was that early in his career, with all the astroturf and everything, he was a he was a speedy outfielder. He had wheels for a guy his right. size, and it was only because his knees were broken down by playing on that horrible astroturf <sighs> that he wound up being relegated to a corner. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and we don't the comps, the comps are just to kind of give fans an, an idea of what what they think he may. Right. What they may become. Right. I mean, because I was looking at, okay, who's that tall and who played center field in the major leagues? And, you know, guys like Dave Winfield and Daryl Strawberry. Well, Daryl Strawberry was a lanky guy. Yeah. Long arms, long yeah. legs. And David Jay's point was that James Wood is more of the short lever kind of, even for his size, he doesn't yeah. have the super long arms. Um, and so that's where the, the Dave Parker comp came from. All right, so should we go into the interview, the Mad Frags interview with Kevin Cobb? Sure. Okay. Let's speed through it. Right, so the right-hander posted a two. uh, (laughs) So this is Mad Frags Q&A with Kevin Cobb. The right-hander posted a 12-1 record with a .90 ERA at 89 and two-thirds innings as he struck out 131 against only 18 walks while allowing only 50 hits. The performance earned him a Golden Spice Award as college top performer. Kevin Copps had a huge year at uh, University of Arkansas. Despite the impressive results as a pure reliever option, who was already 24-year-old, Copps slid to the third round and signed with the Padres for a $300,000 bonus. That was about half the slot value. Um, and that's kind of what Preller likes to do. He, he, he likes to pay these guys under slot, at their slot, and I don't know how he does it, but he seems to do it, and he does it well. Well, and then he'll say, he'll take the savings on that bonus, and he'll give it to somebody like James Wood. Right. So as Jim Callister summarized it, his review, uh, in his review of the draft with uh, Ben Davey, a ton of his success comes from throwing a mid-80 slider cutter. He throws an awful lot of them, and the guys are not sure how it will play in pro ball. His fastball sits around 90, and it's okay. He comes right after hitters, which led him to have one of the best statistical seasons in recent memory. This year with hitters in the Texas League, seeing more of them, he has struggled as batters lay off the slider cutter. He has a two-seamer, which has developed this year because he needs something to go into a, into a right-hander, which is filthy, uh, said manager Philip Wellman. Our player plan is for the pitch to develop more for him, where we can throw the two-seamer for strikes or chase to a pair to pair it with the other one. He had a lot of success in college in A-ball and Euro pitch because and the Euro pitch, gyro pitch. Uh, just because batters weren't swinging over, just batters. like gyroscope, not right. like a, not like the Greek sandwich, like Daisuke Matsuzaki. Um, when he got to Double A, the hitters were more advanced, and everyone had their same iPad in the dugout as we do. They tell the hitters the same thing that I would say to ours: if you see spin, spit on it because it's not a strike; it's a swing and miss pitch. So Kevin Copps, he's having, a, he's got to bounce back a little bit. He's had a rough start to the season, yeah. but as noted, they're they're working on that two seamer to give him something that moves on a different plane as the, the slider. Um, okay, so finally, before we go to Marcus Castagnon, I want to read uh, A.J. Castavell's quick little draft preview, since we've got the draft coming up. First yeah. day of the draft is tomorrow, Sunday. So A.J. Castavell in his Padres Beat newsletter, which I highly recommend you subscribe to, he says the Padres will pick 15th in the first round of the MLB draft, which begins Sunday night at 7 p.m. Eastern. MLB Network will complete 
will provide complete coverage of Sunday's picks, and the first round will be broadcast on ESPN. The remaining picks will stream on MLB.com. It's an important draft for the Padres, and sure, they all are, but the <clears> Padres have made a number of moves to deal from within their farm system over the last three seasons. They need to replenish it. Plus, at number 15, they're picking higher than they'd ideally like in the future. This is the perfect opportunity to bolster that system. As usual, with Padres general manager A.J. Preller, upside is the target. Preller's been known to take risks in the draft, and they often pay dividends. Thanks James Wood, as recently as last season. Yeah. Some names to watch for uh, from our folks who know all about these things at MLB Pipeline. Connor Prylip from Alabama, left-handed pitcher, and Dylan, Les- Dylan Lesko, uh, Georgia high school right-handed pitcher, both recently underwent Tommy John surgery and highly would- likely would have gone much higher. High ceiling high school shortstops like Cole Young and Jet Williams are also options, and they'd fall in line with recent selections like Jackson Merrill yeah, and C.J. Abrams. Absolutely. So the first round pick and bonus slot is number 15. Additional first day picks is number 39, which is the competitive balance round A pick, and then number 15, which is the second round. Right. So we have a total pool of $10 million and 88000 This is a big reason, well, this is the big question with the Major League Club is, if they go over the, if they go over so far over the uh, luxury tax, they lose those picks. They lose, they lose next year's picks, not next this year's. year's. Yeah, right. Next year's picks. So yeah, so it's not just the penalty that they pay; it's also losing the picks and the bonus pool attached to it. Yeah. So that's a big penalty to pay. Yeah. People go, oh, just cut the check. You know, they're going to be whatever. They have to pay whatever it is, fifty percent tax. Just cut the check, Peter Seidler. You've got the money, but it's the draft picks really that hurt long term. And that's where that's where Preller's bread and butter is really picking and picking the guys and getting them into the system. So the Padres really have to come with the. Are, are, is our window going to be you know a, a two year window, a three year window? Are we going to just kind of sell the farm this year, literally, to you know get that outfield bat? Um, Juan Soto just just rejected the Nationals. Right. 15, I mean, fifteen at twenty three, fifteen years, four hundred forty million dollars. Um, I really feel he's going to get more. Obviously, he'll get more on the open market. But also, he'll probably go to a team that, that can afford that and that can surround him with players that can go to another championship. Right. Like, I think he still wants to win. Right, and that's what he said, is that winning is the most important thing. I mean, yeah, he's going to get paid wherever he winds up. But he wants to he wants to win, and it's pretty clear to him that the Nationals aren't set up to do that in the near future. So... Do the Padres go all in and go after somebody like him, knowing that he's only going to be here for, what, a year and a half? A year and a half. 2024, he's free agent. Yeah. And so then, I, I don't know. You know Preller, he's got to be on a, He's got to be feeling some heat. Yeah. So the Padres need to make a good run into the postseason this year. I don't know if you go all in to try to turn it around right now or believe in the guys that you have or I don't know. Time will tell. I still think they're going to just get kind of a, like one of those underrated bats from the outfield. That's um, what I expect. And, and keep, you know, and, and dangle a Luis Camposano. Maybe maybe for something a little bit bigger. Maybe Luis Camposano if we can attach maybe a, a, another play with a large contract. Yeah. Um, but I, I really think that they're going to well, kind I mean, of play Hassel could be in play. The safe bet, I think, would be to just kind of get a you know mid-tier guy that we hope to uh, catch lightning in a bottle. Well, let's hope so. All right, well, let's throw it to the interview. Yeah, absolutely. So here comes Mar- Marcos Castagnon. Well, hey, we're here with uh, Storm. Uh, Storm, third baseman, second baseman, infield extraordinaire, uh, Marco Castanon. Uh, how are you doing today, man? I'm good. I'm good. It's a little hot today, but 
Feeling good. We're recording right around 3.30 in the afternoon here in Lake Elsinore, and it is freaking Lake Elsinore high. My car said it was 103 <laughs> degrees when I got out. <laughs> so you... So... So you grew up an Angels fan. You grew up in Rialto. Yeah. Um, did going to like, do you ever go to any Sixers game? What made you become a uh, an Angels fan? Yeah. So it, it's actually funny. I, uh, one of the first games I went to, uh, Jose Altuve was there as a minor leaguer. Okay. Hit two bombs, and I was like, who the who the heck's this guy? And a couple years later, it turns out he's like a big leaguer, and yeah, the rest is history. But uh, Angel fan. Man, I don't even know. My my parents we used to just always go to Angels games, and I used to watch um, Vladdy, Vladdy all the time, and Sean Figgins, and that was like the team that I ended up liking. Yeah, yeah that's actually part of the reason why. Like, I was originally committed to uh, Riverside with Troy Percival. Okay, and then it, it didn't work out, and I ended up going to Santa Barbara. He was a man. It was he was was he coaching there? Yeah, yeah. I, I believe he's still there. I'm not sure, but. It's pretty cool meeting him in person. Right, so also growing up in Rialto, did you go to any, uh, the California Speedway is like, a, like 20 minutes away. Did you go to any NASCAR? No, I never did. I never did. I wasn't really into that. <laughs> <laughs> I had to ask the question. You're nearby. Yeah. And, and we appreciate it. We also appreciate that you're an Angels fan other than, you know, a Dodgers fan. So this really works. You know, the interview's going well. Yeah. My whole family, <laughs> everyone else is a Dodger fan, so... Well, it helps that the team was so good right then, yeah. because that's right around the time that they were going to the World Series and all that, right? When you were first getting into baseball. Yeah. yeah. So with, you know, so with, uh, you know, LeBron James is your favorite athlete, yeah? Yeah. And you like playing MMA video games, uh, kind of a wide variety of sports. Uh, what? Why do you choose baseball? Uh, you know, my mom put me in it when I was like three years old, and. At the time, my my dad was like, you know, he was a he was a boxer, and he's like, I don't really know what's going on in baseball, and I just ever since I started playing, I loved it. I loved to hit, loved to just be out in the field, and I didn't really like being inside, and yeah, I just loved it. I don't know. It's the first thing I did. Did you try any other sports growing up? Yeah, I, I I played I played soccer. That didn't last very long. I played flag football for my elementary. Two years, I we were like ten and zero. Was two years Wait, starting your, quarterback. Your elementary school had an actual like. Yeah. Did you play other elementary schools? Yeah, yeah. It was pretty cool. We That's, took a we took a yellow bus. Those yellow buses out to other like the districts. We were just staying in the district. Right, right. I bet there was a whole school. gambling ring around those. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> How you feel, Marcus? Marcus, you feeling good? You feeling right? You're good. What position did you play? I was a quarterback. Oh. Yeah. That kind of get the strong arm early on. Yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah. All right, so then, you, then in high school, dude, you hit, you know, you, you hit 407 as a freshman, yeah. but then every year, dude, you hit better and better, and then your senior year, you had what would be a legendary season. 579, 21 extra base hits. Dude, where did you get the cheat code? I don't know. I think <laughs> I wouldn't say I was born with it, but I, I like I – w- I would always want to watch, you know, hitters when I was younger. I never really – you know, watch baseball just to watch. I used to like want to see how, like, you know, Frank Thomas and um, Randall Delgado. I don't know what's his name. I used to just Carlos, like Carlos, Carlos Delgado. Delgado. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I used to love watching him hit, and you know, I, I've always wanted to hit, and I guess you know, I become obsessed with it, and I don't know. So, so in, every year as you got better, even going into college, um, did your off season? Did you did you work? 
Do you work with someone specific? Are you just, I mean, you just seem to, uh, rarely do you see guys improve so much yeah. uh, every year. Yeah, I mean, it's actually crazy. I know you see me with, like, the leg kick now. I didn't have that until my senior year of high school. And I, I would work with my dad and uh, an old um, an old coach when I was younger that, you know, he knew me pretty well. And I'll hit with him sometimes still. But I, I was just always making adjustments and always trying to, like, make strides to get better even in college. And I know the, the, the first year in college was tough. But, uh, you know, I found a way to, you know, get better and learn from the hitting coaches there. What, what, what brought on the leg kick? I was hitting BP one day, and, and my dad was like, you know what, you're not hitting homers. And I was like, you know, we'll, we'll try the leg kick, and I started hitting homers and, and BP with him, and I guess it just stood ever since, yeah. So how'd you wind up in Santa Barbara? Um, like, were you recruited there? Yeah. Did you go I, on I campus got, tours and all that? Yeah, so I, I wasn't, like, a big-time prospect, so I didn't really, like, commit till my end of my junior year. And I just I fell in love with the campus. It was the beach. Like I said, I was going to Riverside, but you know I didn't work out, and I wanted to get further away from home, but also somewhere that I could live at, you know, every day. And I loved it. The coaching staff was was really good. Checkets does a good job up there, and I know uh, Fergus is up there now doing a good job. And I loved it ever since I stepped foot on there. What, what other schools were you thinking of, or just was the UC USB? You wanted to send in the UC system? Yeah, I, I, I never really knew what the UC system was, really, you know. But I, I knew I wanted to stay like in the West Coast, and yeah. that's I guess far enough up north that you know it's it's not too far. The parents can watch me play, right? Family right. by the beach. At, 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 you know, where where I work, it's like you want to be far enough away from home to be yourself, but then yeah, yeah. not far enough to go like, hey, I need a check, right? <laughs> I, I need some groceries or something. <clears throat> so your freshman year, you hit two fourteen, had a two seventy nine on base and a three twenty one slugging, um, but it really shows you could hit where you where it counts. Like you know, the average wasn't there, but the slugging and the on base uh, is that. Do you like hitting in the moment there? Yeah, you know, it's 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 pretty funny. I, I've like when I was younger I used to always like imagine myself in these like big moments and getting the RBIs and hitting the doubles and the homers. So I don't know, I guess I just I, I feel comfortable in those moments and you know, sometimes it would it would kill me my, my first year of college because I wanted to be the guy so bad that I would end up chasing those sliders down and I've had to like learn to, you know, hit my pitch and just you know, stay within myself in those moments. Well, speaking of speaking of hitting your pitch, God, how are your legs feeling today? You hit what three doubles yesterday? Yeah. yeah, they weren't like you know. I had to really run them out really hard. But <laughs> I call them no doubt doubles here. Here in Lake Elsinore, a no big doubt part. double. Yeah, it's a big part. It's a yeah. big part. Uh, so then, uh, your sophomore year, you got hurt. Yeah. Yeah, I hurt my hamstring twice in the same season. And that's when you come back, and that's when you really poured it on. Um, what changed from when you got hurt to to when you came back and you're just tearing it up? Yeah, so, you know, I, I ended up playing a summer in the Cape Cod League, and, you know, I struggled a little bit, but I, I went home and just, you know, made some adjustments, was truthful to myself, and, you know, I had to realize that if I tried to do less, it would be better for me as a hitter, and, you know, that, that's what's been working for me. That's such a weird thing about baseball is that, like, you try harder and the yeah. results get worse. Yeah, it sucks. That senior year, you came back from the Cod League and all of a sudden everything just just jumped up a level. Yeah, yeah. 
Dude, you're, you're killing all my questions here. I was talking about the Cape Cod League. How did, how did going to the Cape Cod League come about? So I was actually a temp player. You know, I didn't really play much my June, my sophomore season. Got hurt, and then, you know, I played hard, and, you know, I earned myself a, a t- spot to stay there the whole summer. And it was a good, cool experience out there in Brewster, and I'm proud to be a, a former Whitecap. They just won it last year. Did did your coach had the connection? How like how did it come to? Yeah, so I I think one of the hitting coaches in Santa Barbara had the connection with him, and they needed an infielder for maybe a couple weeks, and they ended up liking me a lot. So I stood there the rest of the summer, played a lot too. Right on. So who were some of your teammates on that team? Um, some of like the higher end prospects. Uh, I uh, from the San Jose. There's a lot of guys there. Mason Black, Mikulski, uh Seth Lonsway. Another good good name, Gage Workman, Ryan Bliss. You keeping in touch with any guys? of those guys? I follow him on Instagram, social media. So right on. Talk to Mikulski here and there when he gets here. Right, right. And you see, that's the kind of mm-hmm. the thing about baseball. Even in the minor league level, like, you're seeing guys you played college. Yeah, in it's a small world. It's crazy. It's, it's incredibly small world. Uh, um, how did you like playing for Coach Checkets? And then Fergus was your coach there, too. Yeah, you? yeah. How, like, I read an article on how he wasn't so much about Mechanical, like being minutia with the, with the mechanics and stuff, just kind of creating that environment of of getting better by just kind of playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know he he's he's really big on at least hitters on just you know getting reps, getting reps, and I guess you know that's that's a really good way of uh, you know becoming a better hitter. I think is getting reps and you know playing a lot, and he he does a really good job down there with his pitchers and and hitters. We got really good hitting coach Donegal Fergus. And it's good, man. It's a good spot to go to now. So Donegal's the well, he's, I saw it said assistant. Now. Yeah, assistant, but he's he's, he's head of the coach. Yeah. Okay, you gotta tell me, is he Irish? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Does he have an Irish accent? Yeah, I think he's got no, no. He's got a couple tattoos though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so what was the process leading up to the draft? Did you know that you were being scouted? Were you talking to people? What yeah, was that whole so, I during that COVID year, you know, I, I didn't really know. I didn't play that much, and I was having a good year that year. I watched the draft, and you know, it was tough. But I, I knew if I didn't get drafted, I was going to go back to school. Oh, right, the COVID draft was only yeah, five rounds. Yeah, five rounds. So I, I was like, you know, I got the retro year, and just give myself a chance to show what I can. What I mean, it wasn't really much for the scouts, but just to give myself a chance to show myself what I can do a whole season. And you know, we were a really good team, so I knew we had a good team going back, but. I, I got off to a good start my my last year in college, and then I broke my hand, which I was out for like maybe two and a half months. Okay. In a college season, that's a lot. Yeah. So I I was out and then came back and I had a really good regional, and you know I didn't really play after that. And the draft came and I was like, Damn, I don't want to watch it because the last time I did, you know, I was disappointed and I ended up not watching the first two days and didn't get drafted. So I was like, you know, it's all right third day I got picked pretty early so it, it was it was crazy crazy you know I ended up looking on Twitter and I was like man I want to see my name I scrolled up on Twitter I saw like California Santa Barbara and I saw infield and I, I was screaming at my parents and my girlfriend I was like I'm, I'm going to the Padres where were you when that happened I was in Santa Barbara okay you were, yeah. were you in school no I was just oh, with just, my girlfriend okay and yeah my parents so it's a crazy day man it's crazy it's been a year already been waiting my whole life for it. And, yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, congratulations on that. I mean, that's that's one big step. That's awesome. Yeah, and then being in the Padres organization, 
I never really, you know, watched them growing up, but I I, I love it. San Diego's a good spot. Well, yeah, the, the, organi- the organization has been coming up, you know, as you know, you know, AJ Preller took over in 2014 and started changing things about player development and all yeah, this. For sure. So I'm sure it's a much different experience now than it would have been 10 years ago. Um, so last year you were in the the complex. You stayed in the complex all year, right? Yeah. So what was it like? To, I mean, today it's hot, but this is nothing. Compared oh, this to playing is nothing. Out. This is this is uh, 11 o'clock at night, four in the morning weather in Arizona. It was hot. It was hot, and it, it was also like. You know, a different experience being around a bunch of, like, you know, Latino players and, you know, having to break out my Spanish again when I know it's been a while. But it, it's super cool. I get along with those guys well and cool experience. Arizona was cool. It was just really hot. But How was using your Spanish, you know, how was that working with your teammates? Do you do any uh, any uh, any interpreting or are you be able to understand? Yeah, I, I can. Understand? I'm, I'm almost I'm, – I wouldn't say I'm fluent, but I can – talk to him just like as I'm talking to anyone else. Nice. Yeah, well, you use it to your benefit because on Thursday I was over here chirping at you. You go, you're no hablo no inglés. <laughs> like, oh, come on. <laughs> minor league. Yeah. Bad ass, <laughs> I'm getting big league by minor leaguer. No, I was just joking. Oh, yeah, joking. no. No hard feelings. Okay, so you play shortstop, and, and, uh, primarily shortstop mm-hmm. and second in, in uh, USB. I played a lot of second. A lot second, of second and third, yeah. Here you, you're playing a little more third base um, yeah. than second base. What what has that transition been like? You know, at, at first, you know, it's 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 good. I like it. I like third a lot. I'm, I'm getting really comfortable there, and I'm starting to make some plays, and I, I like it. I like it. I mean, they can freely put me anywhere. I'll I'll play. It gets on you quick. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. They hit a couple balls maybe two nights ago. Thursday. I didn't even know I caught a ball, and I was like, okay, "Maybe I throw it to first. <laughs> Dude, I jumped out of my seat like, "That's fucking no!" And my wife's like. What am I doing? Nothing. There's some I good play. Yeah, right. it's tough. Like, yeah, and then you get a lot of top, that day, right? Yeah, you get a lot of top spin balls hit at like 98 to 100, and that's got to be. I mean, it when it's coming at you and it's taking a weird dive last second, like you yeah, have so little time to react. Yeah, you almost have to throw your glove and. <laughs> sometimes it goes in there. Sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> oh, jeez. You know, it really goes to show you how you know. When you see guys like Manny Machado, Nolan Arenados, the guys that just make it look so freaking easy, how really good they are when, yeah, they, when they do yeah, it. Yeah. What's the what, you know? What's the footwork really? The difference between the footwork going, you know, playing the third in the second yeah. base. Do you like the angles there? Yeah, I think third is a lot more reading like the first hop, whether you gotta, you know, move back and catch a long hop, or you gotta go in and get the short hop. When you play up the middle, everything's more like a backspin ground ball, so it kind of gets on you a little faster, and, and you don't get as much weird hops up the middle as you do on the corners. So now the last month, month and a half or so, you've had a, a power boost all of a sudden. Yeah. Has Have you been making adjustments as the season's been going by? Who's been working with you, and what kind of stuff you've been working on? Yeah, so, you know, I, I've been uh, working with, with our hitting coach, Pat O'Sullivan, and we're just, you know, sticking to the plan that I had in spring training. I know early on in the season I wasn't driving the ball as much, and I, I think now I'm just getting pretty comfortable and, you know, hitting my pitches, and I'm not I'm not chasing what, what they want. I'm not falling in their plan, and, you know, if they throw a ball over the plate, you know, I'm staying within myself, and I'm not even, like, trying to do hit a homer. I'm just, right. you know, putting a good swing and – it happens to go out, you know, it, it is. And right now they are, so. Nice. We'll keep it up. Yeah. So did you have any goals coming into the season? 
Yeah, so one of my biggest goals was just, you know, play, be healthy. That's really my only goal. I know, you know, I was going to come here and, you know, whatever would have happened, but I just wanted to be healthy the whole season, and it's, you know, so far so good. They say the best ability is availability. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Well, you're going to, you know, once you get out of here and you get over to uh, Fort Wayne, it's going to be a little colder. Yeah. It's going to be a lot colder uh, the first two months of the season. So um, enjoy your time here. So you guys, so uh, Major League Baseball is now paying for your housing. Who are your roommates? So I'm with uh, Wyatt Hoffman, right. Al- Alvarez Lopez, and Duncan, the new the new pitcher we just got, Duncan Steiner. Oh, yeah, they just signed him, what, a couple weeks ago, right? Yeah. Have yeah. you been telling you any cool indie stories, indie ball stories? Yeah, he's just telling me how, how uh, you know, it's just a lot of older guys playing over there, and everyone's younger here, and yeah, it's pretty cool. I mean, ha- happy for him that, you know, he got a contract, got the opportunity. Well, well that, you know, it's funny, because you always hear about indie balls, like, okay, the, the post-meal spread, and, like, the rest of the nachos, and, you know, the sauce, the yeah. nachos, hot dogs, yeah. <laughs> Okay, so on that note, we've had a couple of older players out here this week. A couple of the Padres have been doing rehab. Um, yeah. What's it been like being around those guys? And have there been any, like, fringe perks that you get out of that? Yeah, um, Profar was really only here for a day, and, you know, he didn't really talk to him much. But uh, Will, Will's been pretty he, – he's a cool guy. We've been just chatting up. He's laid back. I'm sure he's ready to go back to – San Diego and get out of this heat. <laughs> oh, for sure. He hasn't taken you guys out to dinner yet? No, I, he got us a good spread. Okay. Yeah, he got us a good spread. <laughs> it's kind of like the tradition of the big, big league guy comes down. Yeah, he, he got us a good spread, yeah. Right on. So, do you guys cook at your, at your yeah. place? Who does the cooking who's the Yeah. Uh, man, I don't think any of us. <laughs> it's just tough when we get out so late and so lots of spreads pizza here. And hot pockets. Yeah, yeah. We just take take the spread home usually and just finish that. Okay. Well, Terrence does a good job for you guys. We yeah, know that. yeah, he yeah. does. All right. So let's get you out of here. We got some quick questions, a little fun stuff. Um, if you could choose one player to build around, Shohei Otani or Mike Trout in his prime? He's still in his prime. Yeah. Ooh, good answer. Still in his prime. Do you take him or do you build around Shohei? I'm building around Shohei. He can do. I mean, you know, trial. It's tough, but Shohei he can do everything. He can pitch. He can. He can hit balls 500 feet consistently. You, you know, they talk about all oh, generational talent here, generational talent there. That's truly a generation. Yeah. Like like once in a in a hundred years, really since since Babe Ruth. Really, yeah. Really. yeah. And he's making big league hitters, you know, look foolish. Okay, so what do the Cowboys need to do to go deep in the playoffs and win the? I know you're a Cowboys fan. I, I yeah. think we need uh, we need our we just need to click. I, I went to a game last year against the Broncos, got killed, and you know. But I don't know. I, you know, I think Jerry needs to get out of there. Just let McCarthy be his own thing. And yeah, but they've been saying that for 20 years. <laughs> yeah, they haven't won in 20 years. In 20 years, and say, all right. So you're a gamer. Do you use an Xbox or a PlayStation? So I actually have a PS5 and a gaming laptop for like on the road. I've been playing a lot of Call of Duty. Okay. That you were playing MMA games coming up. Yeah. Do you, still, do you still play any of those? Yeah, I do, but, you know, they're starting to get really good, and I'm not that good. Yeah. So I'll just play some Warzone here and there. Yeah, well, Call of Duty is a good way to keep in touch with friends, like, across the country. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll, I'll play with my college, old college roommates. I'll play, yeah, <coughs> every day, pretty much. Right on. Nice. In and out or five guys? In and out. Five guys is too expensive. Yeah. That's exactly. Thank you. It's a good burger, but it's like, what, eight bucks for the burger? It's $20 for fries. <laughs> yeah. Fries are unreal. Shift or no shift? Uh, shift. Okay. 
So what if what if as the third baseman, what if they want you to run out into shallow uh, right field back and forth all day? Yeah, you know, it is what it is. It's my job. All right. All whatever, right. whatever they want, I'll do it. Speaking of which, you know, with the shift, have you been taking any outfield, uh, any, any outfield shagging in the outfielder? No, I don't think in the minor in the minor leagues. I don't think we can shift. Yeah, the, yeah. I don't think we can shift like on the. We can't be on the other side of the bag. I don't think. That's, oh, that's right. right. And I I was here at a game. In fact, I was here at a yeah. game when one of our guys. Might even been you. I was on the grass. And he said, hey, you got to move up. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's crazy. That's crazy. I was here for that game. Yeah, that's crazy. I, I saw that they're going to – they want to try out a rule. They're going to mark out like a box behind second base with chalk. I think they're doing this in one of the international leagues where you can't even position behind the bag. Like the shortstop, they can still go over pretty much right behind second base, and they're trying to even cut that off. Just to open up the middle of the field. I, I think it's a little bit too much. Yeah, that's too much. You can't mandating be, exactly. Field has to look to, how it's looked since we played. They might as well just draw a little circle and like, okay, you have to start inside yeah. that circle. Okay, do you have any superstitions? Um, I don't think so. I don't. Huh? You, you guess for a particular number? You? No, I mean I've been number three my whole life. I'm wearing five here. It's fine. I don't. Yeah, I don't. Man, I don't know. I switch bats pretty much every day, whichever one feels better. But no, no, no real superstitions that like stick out. I mean, I, I do eat sushi on every off day. Okay, there you go. Good. All right. So I guess yeah. All right. So hook this man up with a sushi restaurant. <laughs> um, so Will and uh, and Profar were here. So I noticed Profar was wearing number ten. Will was wearing like thirty nine or something. Yeah. Did Profar have to negotiate to get his number? Was that yeah. even a conversation with Will? I don't think 10 is a uh, – no one's wearing 10. Okay. But I know Profar has the whole, you know, number 10 chain. and. Oh, know, yeah. So you got to give him that if, he, if he's got the jewelry for it. Right. For sure, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> bling, yeah, bling, he's got the bling. jewelry. Give him the number. <laughs> okay, last one. We get you out of here, man. We, we, we really appreciate it. Yeah, thank uh, you, guys. Uh, can you name the other pro ball player from your high school? From my high school? That's still playing right now? or No, he, 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 was, he was drafted. Stephen Lanizuri. Yeah. Yes, very good. Yes. I, I played with his brother, so. Oh, okay. It, yeah. <laughs> nice. And you also played with Cole. Yeah. Cummings. Cummings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At Santa Barbara. How, how did that? You know, how was it cool to have him kind of be here? Yeah, uh, it's cool. It's a small world. Uh, Chris Lincoln too. He's in. He's in our org. He's in Arizona right now. I think rehabbing. But yeah, we got. He's a Santa Barbara guy. Haz Kihada. Ozel okay. Quijada? Yeah. I faced him a lot in high school. Threw a no-hitter against us and lost. Right, because he's ah. from Riverside, too. San Diego, yeah. yeah. He threw yeah, a no-hitter yeah. and lost against us. League championship. Wow. So what, did he, did he walk a walk Errors. Two errors. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's got to burn. Yeah. It's <laughs> Dude, well, let's let you get back in here. we got game time in about a little over an hour. And once again, we yeah, really thank appreciate you. it. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. Thanks for having me on here.